right, welcome to another episode of Reptile Fight Club. Um, my name is Justin Juliner. I'm your host this evening or day or morning or whenever you may be listening. And with me, as always, is Chuck Poland. Say hi to the people, Chuck. Hello. Where are you, What's Justin? What's going on? Oh, I'm doing, doing know, a little better now. Getting over yeah. a cold, but you know how it goes. I, liter- this time I, I literally have not heard from you in... <laughs> Like two weeks, so yeah, I was like, "Oh weird. my god!" <laughs> I, I I had a feeling something was up, but yeah, you know. But better now. I have some weird tooth pain, but hopefully that's on its way out too. But I'm not sure what caused that. But hopefully I don't need to go to the dentist. My poor daughter. Did I tell you she knocked her front tooth out? Oh, she was no. given. She had to give a blood sample, and she walked out oh. of the out of the room and passed out and hit into the wall and. Knocked her front tooth out, poor fat. girl. Yeah, that's always what a you know, fourteen year old wants to do is knock doing, her front doing tooth out. Doing a great service blood donating blood. <laughs> well, she then, she had to get a blood sample taken. She wasn't oh, really I donating. See. It blood. was not a charity. She's probably a little too mode. young for that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh she um so th- they were leaving and, and the the she, they were at the hospital at the clinic or whatever and the and the doors were locked and so my wife and other two daughters walked out of the door and so it closed behind them and locked. And then, and then they're like, where's summer? <laughs> and they look back and she's laying on the floor and some lady stopped and, Oh, are you okay? And she kind of woke up and saw her tooth laying on the floor and grabbed it and said, yeah, I'm good. And ran out and oh came out gosh. and just spit out blood. So I, I, I may have told that already. <laughs> I can't remember what I, what I say from week to week, but yeah. So I don't know that I've heard that. Luckily, we were at the the hospital, or there. I wasn't there, but my wife was, and I came as soon as I could. But um, they just took her over to the emergency room, and the oral surgeon came over and put it back in and gave her a little nice. temporary brace. But a little excitement, you know, going on, but kind of crazy. Yep. Hey, what's and, new with you? What's going on? Uh, nothing, really. Um, just kind of low-key here for for uh the time of year so i'm just kind of yeah. busy doing other life stuff um yeah, yeah yeah i i uh i thought i tore my calf muscle uh earlier Ouch. this week but yeah it was just Fighting? a calf strain so yes okay. yes I, yeah. I i planted and went to throw a switch kick and my calf went no Rough getting old, isn't it? Yeah, it was rough getting old. Yeah, it is rough getting old. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where you're like, dude, I still do this. Like, am I am I am I being an idiot doing this? And I don't know. I can't stop. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like it's 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 admitting an age defeat that I'm not willing to uh, omit yet. So, yeah. Well, that's the way it goes. But yeah, I'm glad you're staying active. Doing some good stuff. Well, t- uh, we've got uh, guests with us tonight, Eric Summers. Uh, thanks for uh, being here. So, welcome to the show. <laughs> uh, we appreciate you. Oh, he's frozen. I don't know if he can hear us or. Oops. <laughs> well, I guess we'll continue on. With we the had a guest. We'll say say we, hello we, to Eric we, we, in, a, we, we, in a bit. <laughs> we laid all the groundwork. We really did. We did. We did our part. <laughs> yeah. There we go. 
Yeah, hey, you know what would a show be without a little bit of technical issues? I feel I feel like for absolutely no reason, uh, my audio was all messed up when I came on, and I don't know why because I haven't messed with my laptop since <laughs> the last episode that we did. So isn't that I a joy? Yeah, yeah. I'm like um, different stuff. Yeah, not sure what's going on there, but um, yeah, it challenges. Like, what would life be without challenges? Okay, now everybody is gone, and it is just me. So. I guess I get to entertain you guys. Well, there you go. I'm, oh, I'm man, still you freaked me out, dude. I was like, Sorry. what in the hell is going on here? That's, Everybody's leaving. I am not prepared <laughs> to carry the show this evening. So <laughs> You got this, man. Oh. I'll just dip out and let you do a mono. Uh, yeah. Solo. Vintage. The ch- Chuck's There monologue. he is. You back? <laughs> um, I see a little bit of movement there from that. Um, so yeah, I, uh, I, I went and bought a, an ultrasound machine, so get the get a, hell out of here, get a play with a new toy. So uh, that should be fun. have you, have you messed with it? I, I haven't received it yet. It's on its oh. way. So hopefully it'll get here soon. But, how, how does one um, buy? I mean, I, I get like, you, you know, but like you yeah. buy it from like a, uh, la- uh, medical, uh, laboratory, uh, place or like what's the. What's the what's the yeah, process um, on that? This uh, great medical supply shop called eBay had a. Had ah, a I, see. So I see. I I bought a used one, but yeah, and so I I kind of they they were asking uh, quite a bit, and so I threw a lowball offer on one, and they accepted <laughs> it. So I'm like, oh, I nice. guess I'm buying one. So yeah, it worked out. But nice. Yeah, well, that's cool. So so, so you're wait, still that. waiting on it. Um, yeah, it should be here this week. And then I've got a, an appointment with one of the herpetology professors who uh, works with uh, ultrasound quite a bit on small little uh, scoloporous lizards. So she's oh, going to cool. show me how to use it. And I'm going to bring a snake in and, and try it out and see what's going on. But, yeah. Nice. So, well, that'll be fun. Yeah. So I'm uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully I, you I, up in your, up in your I use it well, you know, and like yeah. I don't just... Uh, doesn't just be gather dust on my shelf or something so that would be a horrible yeah. waste of money yeah right so but uh, i i don't know i i think if i focus and like have kind of like a study going on you know and and uh do some kind of um study with you know a, a different species and and track their reproductive cycle measure follicles do like okay this this year is western stimpsons and you know next year is pygmy pythons or something like that you know Uh, but even i mean just one that i'm curious about are you so you wouldn't do successive years to see like if their uh if their follicular development is is syncopated in the season or i would be interested to see like the same animals year to year to see how to see how close they, you know, like if they vary a lot or you know, kind of figure uh-huh. out where they're at, that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. That would be really cool to just kind of track and see year to year how they, how they change or how they are the same. Mm-hmm. Um, my black-headed python is, is gravid as can be, like she's huge. Humongous. Gonna lay pretty soon, I think. I, I've got pictures kind of when I think she ovulated, so I should have. Nice some idea of when she's going to lay. So hopefully that'll be uh, a good clutch and I can <laughs> try again. So 
Yeah. Eric, are you here? Are you there? Yes. Yeah, I can hear you guys. Oh my God, okay. we hear you. <laughs> that's good. Yes. Yeah, that, that was, I still we, can't see you, but that's, that's all good. Uh, we, were, we were so touch and go there for a minute. So yeah, glad. I that, just got um, a message. Good to hear that you have voice. you have warnings. I don't know what that means. I've never seen that message before. So hopefully we're okay with this recording and it will work out. But we'll uh, yeah. we'll, we'll we've got you now. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, we can. Uh, dive into stuff or, uh, get, get to, get to know you a little bit. So, um, Eric Summers, welcome to the show and, uh, let's hear kind of how you fit into herpeticulture. All right. Um, I guess, uh, you know, like everybody, uh, started when I was a little kid, you know, I grew up in, uh, in New York. So in New York, there's the salamanders and snakes and things that, you know, I'd go out and find and stomping in the creeks and stuff. And then, my life really changed and it might sound kind of silly, but, uh, I was watching the old show Cro- Crocodile Dundee. Uh-huh. And, nice. uh, and I don't know if it was like the didgeridoos and all the, yeah. <laughs> the like mysticism in it, but like I saw, you know, uh, a goanna and I was like, Oh my yeah. gosh. And, um, <laughs> so my love for that, you know, specific, um, you know, genus like yeah. started then. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I started keeping, you know, lizards uh, in early 2000, uh, got married, went back to college, gave it up. And then about uh, two years ago, my son was catching desert iguanas and he was like, oh, I want to breed these and sell them. And I was like, it just like <laughs> something reignited in me. I was like, really? Um, well, you don't say. It, you're not, yeah, you're, you're probably not going to make much money on those, but these other ones and, uh, <laughs> And so I jumped into Aussie dwarfs um, nice. only because I could afford them. You know, in the early yeah. 2000s, I had to settle for, um, you know, the Indonesian stuff that, which in retrospect, I probably should have kept some of those that are <laughs> yeah, super hard right. to get now. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, so I kept, you know, Varanus ridicalis, um, uh, Varanus, well, they switched it. So the Peacock monitor. Um, mm hmm. But it used uh, to be the Rhode Island sweet. blue blue spot teamer. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I had those guys because cool. they were cheap. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of kind of where I fit into herpeticulture. I mean, I kind of do it for a living as yeah. well. Um, nice. You know, I uh, consult and and work on infrastructure projects, and so okay. I'll do like migratory bird treaty stuff. But the the biggest portion of what I do has to do with the desert tortoise. Oh, nice. Um, that's awesome. So. Uh, that species yeah. has is is close to my heart, or I guess there's a couple species now. But uh, yeah, one of my first uh, pets was a desert tortoise. I get uh, my friend found it in a ditch in our neighborhood, and he's like, "I found a snapping turtle." And so I I'm like, "What? There's no snapping turtles here." So I go running over. And I'm like, "That's not a snapping turtle. That's a desert tortoise, and they don't belong here either." And so we were trying to figure out where it came from, and he he let me take it home. You know, he knew I was a reptile guy, and so. Um, it had a little like hole in its shell. And of course somebody had taken it, you know, it, it had been a pet for the last 20, 30 years or something. So it was kind of grandfathered in before all the regulations. And, uh, so my dad, I showed my dad and he's like, Oh, I know whose that is. And so we went and talked to him and asked him if, if I could keep it. And they're like, sure. Yeah, I guess you can, you can have that. So, um, I kept that, <laughs> kept that, uh, tortoise for a long time. Um, we did fill in the, the hole that was in his shell with some epoxy 
Um, but yeah, that was kind of a, um, he was a, a great tortoise. He was huge too, like this monster male. But, um, I, I met this, uh, woman that was local, just a couple, you know, in the larger town east of us. And, and she had a, a big group of different tortoises. She had radiated tortoises and all sorts of crazy stuff. And just like, I, it blew my mind. I'm like, holy cow, you can keep those here. She ended up moving to California so she could keep Galapagos tortoises, but she had a bunch of desert tortoises as well that were rescues. And, and so I brought my male over and he was like, ramming all the other males and flipping them over and breeding the females and stuff. So yeah, he, he, uh, had a, a good time for the few days that I left him there, but what um, a party animal. Yeah. <laughs> but he was a tough, tough dude. So I don't know. Did we lose you? Can you hear us? Nope. <laughs> yeah. Gone again. Darn this is going to be a touch and go interview. Yeah. This might, this might, uh, this is going to make a the short queen one. To- yeah. This is going to make the coin toss hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, shoot. well, <laughs> I guess we can, so, uh, I don't know if we need to reschedule. I, I know that Eric was on his phone, so that's, uh, that makes it a little tricky. I yeah. don't know how, the, and where he's out in the high deserts of California. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how great the signal is, but. He's still showing up on here, but anyway, yeah, I, I love that desert tortoise and and I, you know, I go look for him every chance I get down in Southern Utah and Southwestern Utah. There's a pretty good population down there. I can usually find, you know, one, no matter when I was going to say, I know you, I know you've talked about finding them before. So yeah, no, you definitely very cool. Have you run into many in California? No, no, that's, um, that's one I have not. That would be pretty cool to run in. Yeah, kinda, you know. I'm trying to think if I've seen one down in the down in like the um, Borrego Springs area or anything like that. I don't know that I have. Maybe one. Yeah. I don't remember. I mean, I don't. Oh, ever we did. Remember you. Did you? Yeah, yeah, we did see one. Uh, Who? Uh, I think it was with... before you got there when we went on. Didn't Didn't you go with us on that big hike to the Palms? Yeah. yeah, yeah, we saw one on that up the stairs. Do you remember? Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh huh. No. Huh. I, I think the. That at all. I, I can't remember which where the population ends, but I think there's because there's Gophers agassizi, which is the desert tortoise that ranges up into Utah, and I think that's the one that's in California as well. And then Gophers uh, morophyki or something like that um, down in Arizona. And I haven't seen an Arizona one for a number of years, so need to find another one of those someday. But that must have been your spend... other. That must have been your other co-host. <laughs> need to spend more yeah. time in the in the low low desert down in Arizona. I, I've done a lot of high desert herping to find those montane rattlesnakes and green rats and stuff. But we need to get down in the low desert. To the low desert. Hello. <laughs> you back? <laughs> Oh, I see another warning. <laughs> uh, you've got warning. Are you are you guys able to hear me at all? Yeah, yeah we can hear you. Can you hear us? No, You're shoot. setting off warning bells, according to <laughs> Justin. So, oh, shoot. Can you not hear us? I guess he can't hear us. We can yeah. see him, but he can't see us. So that makes it. Oh, I can see you guys now. Oh, you I, can I see us. Oh, 
I got off the device off the phone. I'm just like using it for the, my internet hotspot because oh, okay. for whatever reason, you know, at the trailer or the RV park that I'm at, the internet's not working. Oh, um, gotcha. Okay. So I will try to get back on my headphones. All right. Yeah, that audio is pretty rough right now with Echo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Is that I better? Just, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's better. Right. I was just uh, talking Perfect. about talking about desert tortoises and <laughs> my, yeah. my fondness for them. <laughs> they're they're very cool species for sure. A couple couple different. Now the ones in California, those agassizi are they? The, uh, agassizi, are, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's the same ones we get up here in in Utah, kind of in the southwest corner of the state, but. Yeah, I really, yeah. really enjoy those. Enjoy that species for sure. Yeah, go try Actually, to find them. All the other chances I get in uh, in southern Utah. <laughs> yeah, there's some there's some really good spots in the uh, well, few and far between. There's some good locations in the western Mojave, okay. uh, but as a whole, they're not doing very well. <laughs> oh, you know, really? just with the, with the land use, you know. Yeah, yeah. So. The same thing with with St. George, like they they set aside a pretty good chunk of land for, you know, the Red Cliffs uh, Desert Preserve. And uh, you can see, I mean, I've I've got locations of several, you know, burrows and kind of know where to where to look for them. But I usually see a couple, you know, when I go down to St. George and if I have a couple hours to look, I can usually find one or two. So, yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, yeah I I think on every like major project when I was in school that we kind of studied for environmental science, like the desert tortoise was an impacted species yeah. uh, in one yeah. way or another. So, and well, it's funny. Of, I, oh, uh, it was sorry. Yeah, uh, so I went to school in New York, and I was uh, halfway into my graduate program, and things weren't working out with my advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw this job posting on on Park Partnership and Reptile Amphibian Conservation. Yeah. Um, and they said it was in the Mojave desert. And to be honest, like, I didn't even know that was in the United States. I was like, Oh, this sounds exciting. And then it was, you know, so, and then I, yeah, I came out here and that was kind of, uh, I was, uh, yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. So what do you, what do you like better? You, you, uh, West coast fan now, or do you prefer kind of the mountain or the, the green East? <laughs> Uh, I think, uh, like the landscape out here, I love much more, um, the communities and the people, the culture. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. It's more of a Midwestern culture, even though it's in New York, but it's not what you think of when you think of New York. Okay. (laughs) New York city, New York. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there's always good, good things to anywhere you go i think but mm-hmm. yeah I, I really like the desert i'm i'm a definitely a desert rat <laughs> but Me i too. do enjoy i do enjoy the mountains up up here in northern utah as well so yeah, yeah. well and right now the project i'm working on is in whitewater which is it's oh, okay. epic uh-huh. it's such a cool spot nice um, yeah yeah. Well, so do you think the the decline? I mean, the declines obviously from the the land use, but like on, are you seeing the also similar declines on like preserved areas, or, or are they still disappearing from? Uh, they protected? are. Even so, a few years ago, I, I worked on a raven survey because um, mm-hmm. ravens are huge 
yeah. huge problem for the, yeah. the, the desert tortoises. Mm-hmm. And um, so the campaign was we would go out and we would, you know, identify raven nests. We'd watch them. And then the year that I did it, they started doing an oiling campaign. Okay. So we're going into all the desert tortoise critical habitat units yeah. and trying to find as many nests as we can and then oiling them so that mm-hmm. presumably they, they won't realize. Things. Yeah. And they'll, they won't double clutch. They won't just like take off, you know? Yeah. Um, and so that seems like it's been successful. It's very oh, like good. intensive in terms of money and like, yeah. uh, yeah. that's man hard. hours. <laughs> But you know, some of the CHUs are not doing it, you know, this year because because uh, numbers of ravens have been down so much. So maybe they just like get out there because they don't. It's not safe anymore. I mean, I'm not a super intelligent animal. But yeah, yeah, I it, it seems like it would be a, a lot easier just to you know hunt the hunt the ravens or put kind of a bounty on them or something. I I don't know. That's a tricky thing because I mean they they belong there, but we've kind of artificially you know expanded their their population and things because of the water sources and things that we bring to desert areas right. that weren't there before so it's yeah. hard to find so that man- balance of, yeah yeah so management is definitely uh you know it's necessary at this point yeah because yeah, we subsidize that and you drive down the 15 into the 40 and like every gas station trash can is like a subsidy uh, yeah, or even just right. the highways themselves are subsidies yeah, because there's so much roadkill. Yeah, I call um, them the morning cleanup crew. You know, they come and yeah. eat all the DOR stuff. Yeah, yeah. That sounds uh, like a really cool project. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, be uh, fun, fun to come check out your uh, study site or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not my study. I just I, you oh. know, I grew up doing it. But uh-huh. yeah, it's it's a it's fun to be involved in for sure. Right on. That's cool. Well, um, today we're going to discuss, you know, which is better, uh, snakes or lizards. So <laughs> kind of a fun, you know, fun, fun topic to think about. And I think, you know, we all have our, our preferred uh, groups sometimes. I, I mean, I guess I I like both, but I think uh, probably, you know, with my uh, job and <laughs> other things, I probably am more suited to keeping uh, snakes or lower maintenance style lizards, but you know, I also try my hand at monitors and things like that from time to time. So I definitely enjoy uh, keeping both as as I imagine you do. And I know Chuck does. So, Mm -hmm. all right, well, um, we'll we'll go, go for the coin toss between Chuck and I to see who gets to the the pleasure of uh, battling you today. So (laughs) you want to call it Chuck? I've had some good luck this year, so oh, it's tails. Nice. <laughs> I uh, win one for a change, I guess. Um, I'll I'll go ahead and take the take the fight. So yeah, all right. Cool. Moderate check. That'd be good. And then Eric, if you want to call it, we'll uh, let you see who picks the side here. Uh, heads. Heads. It is heads. So <laughs> you got that one. You can, so I think uh, I'll, I think I'll stick with the lizards. All right, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a feeling you might. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Uh, all right, well, do you want to lead us out, or would you like me to go first? Um, I think I think you can start. Okay. So uh, as I mentioned, and I think you know this is probably um, uh, one reason why maybe snakes are, are popular and 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 easy as as pets is you know they're low maintenance. 
Um, they don't require daily, you know, feeds or, or even weekly feeds, especially like the pythons. I mean, of course that depends and, you know, I'm a Python guy, so I'm probably going to talk a lot about pythons. Um, there are some, I do have some, uh, some clue rids, just a couple, but uh, I've got some um, shovel-nosed snakes that are insectivores, and they obviously need to eat more frequently than my pythons do. But I still, you know, maybe feed them once or maybe twice a week. And pythons, you know, once every month or two, two or three times a month, depending on the time of year. You know, if you're cycle feeding, you could go for months at a time without feeding, and, and they're just fine. You know, they don't really change much and and so as far as that goes you can still have that enjoyment and i i think frankly we probably overfeed pythons in in captivity and so um we could probably do with feeding them less but that's usually how we interact with our animals and so that's kind of the fun of keeping sometimes and so people tend to feed them more frequently um so i guess um from the aspect of you know i'm i'm busy i've got a family and a full-time job and those kind of things and snakes um, fit into that lifestyle especially pythons um, a lot easier than uh, say a lizard would so i guess from that aspect you know i would give uh, snakes a point for for ease of maintenance and and less uh, i guess less frequent um, maintenance required uh, for their for keeping them in captivity yeah, I, I wouldn't disagree at all. I think uh, you know, it is it is simpler. I think um, for you know, when I'm thinking like you know, as a pet, um, I, I feel I feel like lizards are are more rewarding because they tend to be more interactive. Um, um, but they are a lot more work. You know, even even a bearded dragon is a lot more work. Those things eat a lot. Yeah. They they run at high temperatures. Um, but they also, I think they bring a lot of joy to like their keepers. I mean, you see the see it all over, you know, Instagram and other social media platforms where they, you know, anthropomorphize the and the and those lizards just think like feel like they're like they're up to the task. Um, you know, maybe, maybe they're just cold and they're behaving that way because they're cold. But uh, I think they bring a lot a lot of people a lot of enjoyment. Um, so I don't. I mean, it doesn't, I mean, of course it, it varies by individual too. Like, um, like me personally, like I value, uh, the behavior. Um, and that's why I keep monitors, even though like I have to breed my own cockroaches and I have to do all this extra stuff. Um, yeah. it's, it's rewarding just to, to have that interaction, to have like, you know, I come, I come back from work and, you know, the lights are on a timer. So they go on at night and then they go off in the morning um, okay. I mean, that's just in case, you know, my AC fails when I'm at work or something. So, uh, uh, for rain, but love to come back and put on some music or some cool or something. And they're all like, all the glass, they, they know what's up and they're all just kind of waiting. <laughs> and, uh, so I, I mean, and, and I know that it doesn't, you know, a lizard doesn't reciprocate like the same feelings that I have or affections that I have towards them, but it, uh, they're pretty good at like convincing me that they they do, even though I know it's not it's it's yeah. not true. Um, <laughs> so I, I just think like it, yeah, it's more rewarding. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, you know, teach their own. Um, yeah, 
No, I mean, I, I agree fully. Like, I, I love to watch uh, lizard behavior. And, you know, as far as um, pythons go, I mean, they're they're evolved to sit and wait and, you know, be motionless for sometimes months at a time where they can say, stay in the same spot and not move, yeah. you know, if they've had a good meal or something. And so, yeah, that you, you know, if you have a lizard, it's going to be out moving a lot more frequently and a lot more um, often. Now, I, I would say that I, I can get that by observing them in, in the wild. And, you know, to some extent, seeing them in the wild kind of makes me feel bad for a lot of these things in captivity. And, you know, you see people and they're asking, oh, what's the minimum cage size that I can keep this bearded dragon in? You know, you got a, a bearded dragon that would normally have a few square miles to run around in and it's sitting yeah. in, you know, 20 gallon tank or something. And, you know, it's, that, that's always kind of been the struggle of, of keeping things in captivity, you know, is, is if you, you know, I, I always laugh when people talk about arboreal cages that are two feet tall. You know, <laughs> I don't, I don't, yeah. if you see a tree that's two feet tall, you're not calling that, an, you know, an arboreal right, right. style, uh, uh, environment, but, um, you know, to, to give them that the space, you know, that they deserve and, and that, and, and also if you, if you're giving them more space, you're also potentially seeing more interesting behaviors and things like that. So I always thought someday I'll have a walk-in room, you know, that's, that's like a desert, you know, recreation in my house and I can go sit down and watch the lizards interact with each other and run around, you know, at least a, you know, a, an eight by 10 room or something like that. So, but you know, and, and I think some people have done that and give, give their animals, um, enough space. And especially if you're living in Florida or something where you can keep stuff outdoors and, you know, and, and do it justice out, outside. Uh, I think, you know, if you can do that, like, you know, Ron St. Pierre and his, his enclosures and outdoor enclosures are, they're very, uh, uh, I'm, I'm very jealous of that, you know, that, and, and I would love to do that, but I don't think the lizards would enjoy, you know, the couple feet of snow that, that hit up here. Yeah. But, um, so, you know, I, I think that's one of the difficult aspects when you're thinking about keeping uh, lizards is is the space requirements. And, you know, I just kind of feel bad with some of these things, keeping them in such small quarters when they could have a, a much larger thing. And, you know, I do think that um, sometimes that that is dependent on the the choice of lizards. You know, you can definitely get smaller species and in, in a 20 gallon tank would would seem would be very sufficient for a very small species you know some yeah. of the geckos geckos that chuck keeps and you know some of those day geckos and other things don't don't require a, a ton of space um but you know i i i think you know the fact that uh herpetoculture is kind of latched on to bearded dragons and green iguanas and monitor you know the some of the larger yeah. monitor lizards that have that have really been popularized, but, uh, you know, frankly are, are pretty bad choices for, for pets. Um, so, you know, I think that that's another aspect of keeping snakes. Now, do we, as herpetoculturists often keep snakes in too small of enclosures? Most definitely. And I think we could definitely stand to give our snakes more room too. And, you know, I think there is kind of a push um, around herpetoculture to increase our cage sizes and increase the, you know, the amount of um, stimuli they have. And so they're not just sitting in a dark tub or something, but 
Um, you know, how much of that is anthropomorphism? Do, do they need a giant enclosure to thrive? I don't, you know, it's hard to say, but, um, I would say definitely a lizard would benefit from more space over a snake and, and it, it, a python anyway, depending on, you know, the species, mm-hmm. but, um, just kind of, and I guess it depends on the species of lizard too, but, <laughs> you know, that's, I think that, that kind of, there's advantages of of space uh, in regards to snakes as well, you know, just from a broad perspective. Yeah, I think probably especially, especially, uh, you know, diurnal snakes, you know, mm-hmm. pursue their prey. Like, the, sure. like you know, coach whips or um, but trimarchon should probably be in a large, larger cage. Yeah. That's a big snake. but Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that's one I would I would love to keep. I would. Yeah, Ron, Ron uh, Saint Pierre was talking about his. Uh, I think on the last time we had him on here, but he has some set up in an outdoor enclosure, and you know he, he's he was watching him like he he just is 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 in awe when he goes out and just sees him in the in this large enclosure, and they just use every inch of that space, you know. So, yeah, definitely a Dre Marcon could. And to, yeah. to have a room size enclosure <laughs> and would make good use of it. Yeah. I, I, I love coach whips and whip snakes, but I, I couldn't bear to bring them into captivity just cause they seem like they would, you know, need a football field uh, size cage for their activity level. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, I was, uh, so I've done tortoise telemetry and a friend of mine was doing his PhD at the Savannah river ecology lab with indigo snakes. Oh, cool. And uh, he had put some transmitters in them, and he's like, "Oh, you want to try to find one?" And so I'm like trying to find it, and I keep going like this. And I'm so used to, I was so used to like just working in two dimensions and looking in two dimensions. Mm-hmm. I just kept going around in circles, and he's like, "Hey," I said, <laughs> "Oh," <Look up. laughs> so I was up up in the tree. But, oh wow, that's yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, but, awesome. But yeah, I think. Um, I, I mean, you know, with the monitors, like they do, they do take a lot of space, um, mm-hmm. and that is definitely a, like a real concern and a real thing that people should be aware of before they, you know, jump into that. Because I, I think, you know, the first lizard I ever bought was a, a Nile monitor for like a hundred bucks when I was yeah. sixteen. Right. You know, brought <laughs> I think it home a lot retro- of us in, have been in that boat, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it was just it was not you know a good experience for me or the lizard really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But, you know, the, the, the dwarf monitors, I think, you know, because they got that Pilbarensis and that's, that's two by two by four, but all the, the walls, they can climb on all the walls. And, uh, yeah. honestly, they only use half of it. They don't even go to the, the cool side, but, mm-hmm. but I guess it would depend on, I mean, there's, there's other factors in space too. You know, you know oh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I followed a, a Pilbarensis monitor up a, up a hillside and, and, uh, just trying to video him doing his thing, you know, and, and man, that thing just covered ground. Like you wouldn't believe if I got just a little too close, you just take off like a flash and just get up, you know, about maybe eight to 10 feet ahead of me. And then he'd kind of slow down and chill and maybe look for a bug or, <laughs> but, you know, okay. jumping over boulders and just kind of climbing up the sides. And I mean, you know, the, the amount of space that he moved, just me following him for 15 minutes, you know, we probably covered a, a quarter of a mile pretty easily, you know, <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Yeah. 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 
so so snakes i think like as a whole um even though they're not what i prefer to keep i think the biology is like out of this world when you think about like a snake's biology and what they're able to do without having arms you know they can do just about everything that like other things can do without the aid of having arms you know they're arboreal they can swim you know to an extent some of them you know can burrow um yeah, so I think it's impressive, and just the biology of, you know, they essentially have one lung because they can't be next to each other. So they, the, one of them is reduced, and one of them is huge. Uh, yeah. so, or, uh, you know, selenoglyphs, you know, the vipers, mm-hmm. like that evolution of venom is amazing. So I definitely won't poo-poo snakes at all. I think they're yeah. super cool. I just don't they, don't, they don't hit that spot for me personally. Sure. Yeah. Well, and I, I think your choice of, you know, working with dwarf monitors is, you know, uh, very good. <laughs> and and it sounds like from, you know, good experience, you know, the, keeping a large monitor and realizing this is very difficult to, you know, to keep. And, and those dwarf monitors fit fit much better into uh, the, yeah. the space re- restraints that we often have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I uh, I don't know. I I think the it's there's a lot of neat um, aspects of of keeping you know the 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 snakes like you said, seeing some of their behaviors and kind of seeing them do their thing. Um, I I do think that you know we we can the the different and you know this may not just apply to snakes. Of course, I think lizards fall into this too, but having all the different environments and being able to keep, uh, you know, different species in different environments is kind of fun. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I always wonder, I, it's, it's hard, you know, why don't I have more lizards? But I think that's the main thing is just the, the amount of care they, they need and the amount of attention and food and versus a, a snake where you can, you know, have a little, little less involvement and be able to still do them justice. Um, I just feel bad, I guess, with my limited time, if I'm keeping too many lizards that I'm neglecting them more than I probably mm-hmm. should. Yeah. I guess, you know, and this may not, uh, you know, lizards also brumate and hibernate, but you know, you can have a lot of snake species that you can put down in your basement and forget about for <laughs> several yeah. months and come back to them in the, in the spring and they're good to go. Uh, I've, I, I don't do well with uh, lizards in brumation for some reason. I, I have a tendency to, to lose species of lizard that I try to brumate too, uh, too much. And I'm not sure what I'm, <laughs> what I'm messing up there, but so, you know, every time I've, or not every time, but a lot of times I've tried to brumate my lizards, I lose one or two. And, you know, during the brumation cycle where I haven't really had that issue with snakes, they, tend to do a lot better. So I don't know what I'm missing, but I got to figure that yeah. out, I guess, before I keep more species that require brumation. Yeah. I don't, these, yeah. Yeah. These guys don't, the monitors, I don't, I mean, they, they cool down and they slow down, but not, not like a real, like, I don't like completely brumate them and I don't yeah. know how well they would do. I'm, I'm scared to do that. Um, yeah. But I do have a Gambelia that I caught when it was like tiny. Uh-huh. Um, along those leopard lizard and, yeah. and like I brewmate that guy, I throw him in a wine cooler and he comes out uh-huh. the next year, just fine. So, but <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I, yeah. I had some Australian water dragons, and I I brumated them, and I lost uh, one of them during the you know a pair. Or, uh, I think I had a trio, but I lost the male, and I was just like, what, what did I do wrong? You know, I kept them cool and didn't you know had a, had a moist area for them. Maybe it was too wet, but yeah, just have had issues with that. <laughs> but yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. I think the also the um, that interesting, uh, behavior, you know, people are fascinated by snakes and, you know, they're maybe people are a little bit scared or maybe it's, you know, kind of a, people like to have something different, you know, and snakes are definitely in that different category and, and you can generally hold snakes, you know, a little bit maybe easier than a lot of the lizards. The lizards are, I tend to, not really handle my lizards as often and maybe it's the species I keep, you know, but for, for sure it's, they're more of a visual pet rather than kind of a hands-on pet. It seems, uh, you know, with some exceptions of course, but like, you know, you're not picking up your day geckos or you're not picking up your, um, you know, the, the larger monitors or or things like that too often. You kind of enjoy them or, or try to interact with them in different ways, but Handling is definitely a little more difficult with a lot of the lizard species compared with snakes, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I would agree that, like, snakes do have that, like, you know, because it's kind of innate in us. You know, some people have the fear of spiders and the fear of snakes, and that's, and it's a natural thing, you know, because mm-hmm. for a lot of history, those things could potentially kill us. And yes. um, and there's a lot more, probably a lot more, like creation myths and things surrounding snakes than than lizards. Like, so I do, I definitely see that there's an allure to it. Um, yeah, and I, and I think like you know with the lizards, like I, I can't really handle these guys. There's only a few of them that like really don't mind me picking them up, and but they don't want me to hold them. Yeah, like they won't let me hold them. Um, struggle. Yeah. yeah, so you don't really get that. Uh, but I'm I'm fine with that, you know. I'm personally, I just enjoy you know watching them run around, you know, do their thing, eat off the tongs, you know, go mm-hmm. go chasing after bugs. Uh, yeah, yeah, they're definitely a lot funner uh, in a lot of ways, and and where you're interacting with them more frequently for feeding and things like that, you can watch them chasing and and hunting the the insects. Whereas if you've got a snake, you're probably you know, if you're if you're looking for that kind of interaction, you're probably feeding them way too much, depending on the species, of course. But with a python, yeah, um, I, I think if you're along kind of those same lines of the danger or whatever, if you're into venomous reptiles, you're you've got very few choices with lizards. I mean, I guess you can technically count uh, varanids, but you know, for the most part, you've just got the heliderma. Um, your beaded and, and Gila monsters, uh, bead lizards and Gila monsters for venomous. Whereas with snakes, there's a multitude of, of venomous snakes. And, you know, the, there's a pretty endless list of different species you might keep if you're into venomous, uh, reptiles or keeping venomous. Now, of course that has, now, is that, uh, is that a risk. pro or a con? Yeah. I, yeah. I was going to say <laughs> yeah. like, you, you're probably not going to die from a Gila derma bite. It won't be fun. Yeah, but, uh, that's true. Well, and I mean, you know, there's anti-venom for, for different uh, species. Um, Do they I, have an I, anti-venom for Heloderma? Um, I don't know if they if they need one. There's probably so few bites, and, and mm-hmm. they're not 
usually I mean, it's, threatening. It's, but. it's fairly simple precautions to keep yourself from getting bit with with those. Yeah. So, and I mean, I don't know. Even the you best were just speaking of snakes, can, right? And yeah, venom for snakes. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I was. Uh, no, you're good. You're good. That was a, a good comment, Chuck. <laughs> um, I I was uh, I heard a heard about a guy who got bit by a venomous uh, snake in Australia. It was an elapid, and and it basically shut down his uh, ability to respond. He was still conscious, and he could hear everything and remember everything that was going on around him. But like his body just started to shut down, and he you know he couldn't respond, and so. Um, he was talking, he, he called a friend to tell him that he'd been bit and he was going to kind of wait it out and see if it was a, a real bite. And then he could just kind of stop talking and his friend's like, Hey, Hey, are you there? Are you there? And so the friend came over to his house and found him on the ground and he heard his friend go, he's dead. He's dead. You know, and he could hear everything, oh but gosh. he just couldn't move a muscle and, and respond in any way. And so they rushed him to the emergency room and gave him antivenin. And he said, like, as soon as that kicked in, he was uh, up and back at him and didn't have any real long-term effects from that. So I don't and know. That it's... is why a lapid scare the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but I mean, they, if... they, don't, they don't all look venomous, you know? Yeah. Like the vipers, right? it's like, okay, that's venomous snake. Uh, but the lapids, <laughs> you really don't know. Yeah, especially in America. I mean, if you if you uh, hear a rattle, you, you know, there's a venomous snake nearby, you know, and that's... Uh, but you know, a lot of the, I, I remember I was, uh, looking for, uh, snakes at night in Australia up in the, uh, iron range, you know, we're looking for green tree pythons and I, I saw a black snake kind of go, go, you know, past me or close to me. Uh, and I went to grab it and like, just before I grabbed, I'm like, wait a second, you know, this, this is most likely a large elapid that will turn around, you know, it's probably some, you know, taipan or, or something. So I, I uh, caught myself before I dove on it and grabbed it, you know, like, wait, you're not in America. You can't just go jumping on a black snake. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Not like chasing down a coach whip. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's a pretty epic feat. It's almost yeah. like, like that diving touchdown catch to like uh-huh. catch these yeah, I guys. Could, I couldn't imagine if if a coach whip was a venomous snake. You know, that'd be kind of crazy. That's what you got with your lapids in Australia, <laughs> long, fast, uh, you know, snake. But yeah, those those coach whips are fun to fun to try try for. It's a rare opportunity to get hands on one for sure. There were about, what, uh, eight of us surrounding this coach whip that was at the base of this uh, grubby tree out in the desert in, in like, border of Arizona and Utah. And uh, we were trying to, you know, catch it, of course, and they were, like, we were surrounding it and kind of closing in on it. And it went around the tree, I think, three or four times and we all were diving and trying to grab it. Nobody laid a finger on that snake, and it got away from us all and went down a hole. It was crazy, like how fast yeah. that thing was. Yeah, but and how I fast they'll bite you if you do catch them. Oh yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they will tag you so uh, quick. 
Yeah. I always thought I was the snake whisperer when I was a kid because my dad and I grabbed a striped whip snake and it was just biting my dad over and over. And, and I took it from him and he's like, Oh, you know, it's going to bite you. And I, I took it and I was handling it and it just, it, it didn't bite me at all. It just kind of cruised around my hands and we let it go. But I'm like, Oh, see dad, <laughs> this is how bled you, you <laughs> It bled your dad enough that it was like, Oh, yeah. there's no point. These, these fucking hairless monkeys don't take the hint. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He took all the, the, the brunt of the aggression yeah. there. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Wait, um, wait, well, what a good dad though. What he totally oh, yeah. pumped you yeah. up. You were like, you were like, I am the man. Like, yeah, he still no tells that snakes. <laughs> <laughs> he still tells that story to this day. He's like, I gave it to him and it's, it just didn't bite at all. I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> and look at you so, now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've got the bug for sure. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, I guess uh, there's there's a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of pros and you know to keeping keeping snakes and um, I think that enjoyment or that that diversity of different species and of course you know there's more lizard species than there are snakes so. There's even more opportunity for for diversity in in the lizard environment, and just you know, seeing. I, I guess there there are a lot of um, snakes that, and this is probably in the con pile and goes to your side, but that are a little too specialist to keep in captivity. They're very difficult to keep because they, re, you know, they only eat blind snakes or something. And how are you going to supply a meal <laughs> of blind snakes to, to this snake? You know? So I was really shocked. I, I read uh, that or uh, got that snakes of the world book by Mark O'Shea and just seeing how many snakes I'd never heard of. You know, I thought I was this snake guy and I knew all these things <laughs> and I, I get this book and I'm like, I've never heard of that. I've never seen that, you know? Oh, it specializes in feeding on blind snakes or it specializes in feeding on Sicilians, you know? how uh, There's no way I could, you know, anybody could keep that in captivity. So, you know, that's kind of the the um, difficulty. Whereas most lizards are, are eating, you know, uh, insects or yeah, small rodents or things like that that are a little easier to get them to take a wide variety of prey. I mean, there are some specialists, but for the most part, you know, you can get a a bigger variety of lizards to to adapt to captivity and do okay. Yeah, it's probably cheaper to keep snakes too. Oh yeah, yeah oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. A lot I mean, you don't you don't need the UV necessarily. I mean, they probably benefit from it, but it's not necessarily required to keep a snake as, as mm -hmm. it would be much more important for a lizard, <laughs> at least to, you know, to some extent, if you can get yeah. natural sunlight, of course it's better, but and I think yeah. just the dietary variety that, that lizards tend to benefit from, not that snakes don't, but, you know, I think in, in, in what we have, you know, the modern conventional, Herpetoculture, we, we, you know, we're pretty rodent focused when it comes to snakes and that's true. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty easy peasy and most of the captive stuff will go right on to rodents and be fine with it. And, but you know, if you want to do, if you want to do your lizards justice, generally speaking, you're not feeding them a single type prey source, getting away with that. You're, you're having to, you know, Multi, multiple different types of prey sources and supplementation and you know light augmentation like so there's there's quite a bit there's quite a bit to it there for sure yeah that's uh and but if you I, can oh go ahead 
Uh, actually, I'll shut up because this is not mine. No, no, no. Yeah, You're no, good. no, no, no. What are you well, going to say? I, I, no, I, well, I feel like I'm, I'm taking away from no. Eric's uh, uh, stuff. Uh, well, I was just going to say that most of it's really available, though. You know, like, so it's, it's although it's more work and it's more like, but, you know, it's like not that hard to get roaches or crickets or, you know, um, different types of, you know, fish or like whatever, whatever you're. You're, and that, that's generally varanids I was thinking of where, you know, mm-hmm. they eat, some of them eat quite a variety of, of food. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Now I'll shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah and, it's, and it can be expensive. And if you don't want it to be expensive, then you have to share your domicile with cockroaches. <laughs> you know, cockroaches. Yeah. Um, which is, I don't know, it took me a minute to kind of get past like the, how gross it is, but now I don't even care. Uh, yeah. But. Well, um, the, the, a lot of the commercially available roaches aren't too bad. You know, they, you know, the dubious can't climb smooth surfaces or, you know, they can't survive much cold. You know, they, they don't do well in the cold or so they're not bad. I found them to be pretty, pretty innocuous, but they yeah. look gross, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I, I bought uh, some, some hissing cockroaches thinking like the ackies that I have with the, would try to eat them. And they I throw them in there. They go over and check them out a little bit, bit onto it once. I think the exoskeleton's so hard. They just uh, were not into it. Yeah. And I feel like they were just looking at me like, you need to get an exterminator in here. Get this thing out of here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's uh, so now I have a bunch of hissing cockroaches that I have no idea what I'm going to do. They just keep yeah. breeding. Yeah. So, I had a friend that had the same problem. He bought them to as feeders, and nothing would eat them. So, yeah. yeah. And I think I think the biggest con of keeping lizards is having to deal with crickets. So you know that's that's the one thing that I just did not enjoy about lizards is you know getting a shipment of crickets that had died because it was too cold, or died because it was too hot, or died because they were in a container and too long i don't know like they just seem really temperamental and and they stink and they are loud and they're obnoxious you know i don't know crickets are, are a rough thing to deal with so thank goodness for doobie roaches or i wouldn't be able to keep any <laughs> any r- lizards you know they're just yeah. uh the uh, crickets are a pain it's fun to watch Ackies you chase them around though that's, that's true. They are much funner to watch. Oh yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. that's the speed that that Aki's like right there, man. Yeah, I can go for it. And it's like fun. locals, yeah. like there, I wish there were there were better sources. Like in Europe, it seems like they breed a lot of locusts, and you don't see that here. It would be nice to have you know kind of a wider variety of orthopterans to feed to <laughs> to lizards because they are fun to watch and chase around a grasshopper that's springing through the air you know jumping and chasing and catching it and stuff so yeah yeah i catch them in the spring and yeah and they get them they get them in the springtime and it's it's hilarious yeah. i mean they'll climb up onto the you know stick and they're jumping through the air trying to get it and then they're just so 110 percent like after the prey item um yeah that it is such a joy to watch uh, but specifically with Ackies and, and some of the other monitors, it's like, you know, you could throw a hundred crickets in there, a hundred, you know, cop- or hundred grasshoppers in there, and the minute one gets one, that's the one everybody wants. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the, it. it's that's so strangest, true. <laughs> it's the so strangest true. thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I would I would say too that's probably another benefit for keeping lizards is that the 
interactions and being able to keep multiple animals in the same cage. Uh, probably point goes to lizards over snakes. You know, I'm, I mean, I do uh, cohabitate a lot of my snake pythons that I keep, you know, and, but, you know, feeding time becomes a hassle. Like you said, like lizards will grab onto the same thing, but they're not grabbing onto each other and, you know, like trying to constrict each other or something. They, they, they usually let go after they realize, okay, this is not a food item. This is my friend or whatever. I mean, yeah, you'll get some like baby bearded dragons that'll nip each other's tails or toes or things like that. And, Kinks yeah. might rip each other's limbs off if you leave them together too long. But they get for the most part, do not do good know, together. That, yeah, yeah. I guess it depends. Even on stuff that, that yeah, they say, even stuff, even stuff they say is is communal is not communal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested because I have the the gill and I that I'm raising up now, and mm-hmm. so I have six of them, and uh, nice. and I've been reading some literature cool. on them and. Like they seem to live communal, like in uh, like single snags and these you know under yeah. the mulga bark. And I'm yeah. just curious how that's gonna how that's gonna play out. And, and considering like keeping a larger group together, uh, mm-hmm. enclosure, uh, how that goes. Yeah, you kind of wonder too. Like if, if if something that is communal like that, if if like having four walls of a cage actually changes some of their feelings about communal structure or whether it's, you know, it's a size thing or like, you know, having that, having that ability to kind of expand their range or bring it in based on how they feel about the communal structure, that kind of thing. Like I was, I kind of wonder how that plays into it uh, as far as like communal lizards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you guys seen uh, Luke uh, Netheim? He's the, the host of the Australian herpticulture podcast. Uh, Ozzy Hurt podcast on Malay pythons, but he's his uh, yeah. gill and eye enclosures are really yeah. cool. <laughs> like that is good Luke, size, Luke's, and they have uh, trees in is, the middle. And that these... is beach beach of scaly beasts. On, oh yeah, I've uh, seen it, I've seen it on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 yeah he's got some yeah. cool yeah. stuff, cool setup. It's pretty, pretty fantastic. Yeah, and his photo backgrounds are just phenomenal. Yeah, but that's yeah, his his uh, enclosures are fantastic. Yeah, I think you know. So lizards are more work, and and I think there's more time invested in things like that. But I don't think they're quite as, uh, you know, lizard keepers are quite as neurotic as some amphibian keepers have to be, like yeah. in order to keep you know the or the water. Yeah, turtle yeah, keepers, yeah. So. yeah. I think both of our yeah, groups turtles. definitely have have things better over turtle keepers or <laughs> or amphibian yeah. keepers. Yeah. Man, I can imagine turtle, like going turtle keepers just get kicked in the teeth all the time, <laughs> well, huh? Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they, they enjoy their thing, but you know, they, like I can, I don't do well with water animals. They just, yeah. you know, I don't know what it is, but I, I think too, like, uh, you know, amphibian where you're keeping you know, a pair of frogs and all of a sudden you have a thousand eggs and trying to raise up that many tadpoles Dude. all at once or something. It's pretty yeah. nuts, but yeah, yeah. I think uh, I'll I'll stick to my snakes primarily, with a few lizards sprinkled in. But <laughs> someday I don't. I, I someday I'd like to keep keep more lizards. I think when I have when I'm retired or have more time or something. Like chameleons are so fascinating, and I, I think that's another benefit of you know of your side of the lizard side is is the different uh, modes of feeding you know it's fun to watch a monitor chase and grab something and gulp it down or watch a chameleon's you know long tongue grab that prey item and 
pull it back in and stuff and um lots of lots of fun stuff uh, regarding watching them feed yeah snakes it's funny. Are, i mean snakes are a lot a lot of fun to watch too you know like the constrictors or the ones that just grab and start swallowing you know my <laughs> indicus will hide all the time but once in a while the male will come out and he'll just watch me like just like you know one eye watching you like uh-huh. watching what you're doing and if you move around then he's like I'm going to bail. I'm going to bail. I'm not. No, I'm staying. I'm staying. But, you know, like even even my scrubs, like they're very alert snakes. And unless you like unless it's dark and they're looking for food and you walk past the cage, they're not, you know, they're not the, the you know, they need that very direct movement. Like like it's it's not like they know you're there until they key in on it, whereas lizards are keenly aware of what's happening in their surroundings. Um, and, you know, even so, even the most alert of snake kind of still has, you know, some sensory, um, you know, kind of barrier <laughs> to to kind of how engaged they are, even when they're a very yeah. engaged animal, you know? Yeah. Most snakes uh, typically don't have great vision, you know, like a yeah, lizard usually yeah. has pretty good vision, depending on that don't but overall you know lizards are more visual uh predators versus a snake that mm-hmm. um so yeah that's definitely true i mean i've never seen a lizard try to it biting itself um trying to get a meal you know i had a california king snake that would he would chase like a, a mouse around and sometimes he'd stop and bite him bite his own body and sit there and like wrestle with himself and <laughs> wait like oh wait that's me you know and then let yeah. go and try to catch the mouse or just you know, as a kid, I just I, thought that was so dumb. Like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> if you if you don't feed a warm enough frozen thawed rodent to a snake, it it will it will absolutely bite his body because it smells the food, but mm-hmm. it can't see the food. So it's like without having those two senses together, they're just like complete idiots. They're like, yeah. I don't know what's happening. Uh-huh. I know part of just bite and constrict. Right. Yeah, like the, yeah. that's when they just open their mouth and they're like, ah. <laughs> yeah, trying yeah. to get anything that they can get their, their, exactly. their teeth on. Yeah, so. that's that's rough. Their their evolutionary history pushing them into that. Just gotta feed any chance you yeah. get because you may not see another chance for another month or two. <laughs> it's got to be rough. <laughs> yeah, but you know, talking about you know the lizards, like I, I think about with the monitor lizards. Um, you know, I'm looking at some right now, and they're all eyeballing me. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can see that the lights are on, that there's like, you know, I don't know if they necessarily have like a, a thinking mind, but they're definitely um, fascinating in the sense that, like, I, I'm curious as to, you know, they're considering me and what I'm doing is I'm considering them and what they're doing. And yeah, um, definitely. A, I mean, there there have been some problem solving, you know gills from lizards that have been documented you know the the uh blue tree monitors using their you know fingernails yeah. to pull yeah. worms out of uh tree hollows or things like that you know yeah. like so they, stu- the zoo's doing a lot of enrichment with with yeah. uh komodo for sure mm-hmm. yeah 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 yeah, yeah, they yeah they're, they're, they're smarter there was a varanus exanthematicus that was that could count to three Oh yeah, yeah. I I love that. Is that the Lizard Kings? uh, I love that program, especially that footage of the Kimberly Rock monitor chasing. Yeah, I don't remember what it was on, but yeah, he would like 
learned to bite, you know, this ball yeah. and it would deliver food items, but it only ever gave him three. So he just got to the point where he just go up and bite it three times and eat the food. Yeah. You no, know, he yeah. wouldn't. That's um, pretty Is that re- really counting? I don't know. I mean, sort of. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And I mean, like, you know, hearing about the studies, I think in their environment, they know where their homes are, where their escape burrows and where they're, you know, the other exits to their burrow in case somebody's waiting, you know, by the, by the entrance or something, they can go out the other side. So they kind of have some spatial awareness and kind of know what, what home is and where to go in, in case of danger. So, you know, in terms of survivability and stuff, they, they definitely, you know, I think snakes have a similar thing, you know, they, they can drop down under certain rocks or no, nowhere to go and, and have their babies or find an, a den for overwintering and things like that. So, yeah, definitely good behaviors on both sides, but. <laughs> but I think I've got another point for lizards right here. Okay. <laughs> Snake poop <laughs> is disgusting. Especially you get like a big snake. Yeah. Like you don't have to contend with that. That's true. That's true. Well, I would say some varanid shit is pretty (laughs) nasty stuff sometimes. That's for sure. Well, I mean, if you get the fish or. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Big, big Big varanids got nasty poo poos. (laughs) Yeah. That's for sure. Probably, definitely, I I agree with you with more of the dwarf monitor species. You're probably much more on the safe side. But oh man, my indicates well, shit something nasty sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> along along those same lines though, like the lizards will pick a corner of their cage and and you know poop in the same spot. You know, and that's kind of cool for for cleaning the cage. You just have to clean up that area. You know, replace like, uh, that that sand more more uh, often or something. So that's kind of cool. or some of them will just poop in their water. Their water. Yeah. <laughs> You know, exactly. out. which is you know can look be looked at it both ways like come on you know quit pooping in your water <laughs> but yeah. you know yeah but yeah i guess in some ways that could just be hey this is a toilet <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah snake snake i guess depending on the species and how often you feed you know can i, I think overfeeding can also result in some pretty nasty snake poop especially with the pythons or something but if you're Feeding in moderation, they're 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 getting most of the nutrients out of that out of that food item. You know, they're pretty uh, very uh, good. Uh, what's the word? Very uh, efficient. You know, they have a very efficient digestive system and can pull most of that. So basically, you're just getting hair and bones, or you know, not not much out of, out of the other end. So it, it's not too bad if you're not overfeeding for at least for the pythons. I don't know. I guess uh, a lot of the colubrids are pretty nasty. They poop a lot. <laughs> yeah. And you're right. If you have a, a snake that's pooping a lot, it can be pretty pretty gross. Yeah. Good size encl- enclosures. Hello. Well, any other uh, big uh, selling points on either of these groups? I'm trying to think if we've missed anything obvious or we've hit them all. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's, you know, I, I think it's covered quite a bit. I mean, yeah, yeah, a good, good discussion. I mean, I, I think, you know, if you're if you're thinking about getting into one group or the other, you know, hopefully you've gotten some good uh, points from from this discussion and 
and can make a good choice as to what would fit your lifestyle or I, you know, I always trick myself and think, Oh no, I can, I can handle monitors. I can do this. And then I get a pair of Ackies or something and I'm just like, I'm barely, you know, I'm just kind of maintaining them. I'm not really feeding them to, so they can thrive and breed and all those kind of things. And then they just kind of, I don't know, I feel bad. And so then I get rid of them and then few years later, I, I could, I bet I could do Ackies and you know, yeah. so just kind of, I don't know. I, I just need to accept the fact that snakes are probably the, the best uh, choice for me at this point in life. But some, some lizards I found like the, the blue tongue skinks, uh, are, are almost like a snake. You know, they're, they're pretty, pretty bulletproof, pretty easy to take care of, you know, and they'll eat just about anything. So makes, makes their requirements a little, less stringent i'm not having to worry about crickets every other day or something you know so i think depending on what you choose but i guess keep that in mind that most lizards are probably going to be a little more time consuming and need a little more space and and more in regards to uh, their enclosure like the uv lighting or things like that so just keep that in mind and uh, make a, a wise decision when you're getting any pet, I guess. <laughs> Research is always uh, king, you know. And But I do think, you know, lizards, like you said, are, are very rewarding. They're more interactive. They're more kind of fun to, to observe in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, whatever floats your boat. I guess whatever is going to keep your interest for the longest time, that's probably the species you should pick. I feel bad for people who only breed species that are popular, that sell well, you know. They're missing out on a lot of fun, <laughs> a lot of cool species by just chasing the stuff that everybody has, you know. Yep, I would suggest getting something that's unique and cool and something that you can kind of have be your own project. I think that's a, a fun way to live life. <laughs> so, I don't know. Anything else uh, you want to add? Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, what interests you, you know, and, and the resources that you have. Uh, you know, if you have the resources and you really enjoy, uh, you know, more in-depth and difficult species, you know, I, mean, I definitely wouldn't jump in with both feet on some things, but uh, research is definitely king. Um, I, th I think if it came down to it, if I could only keep, you know, well, of course, I'm a lizard guy, but this would be maybe a question for you. Like, if you could only keep yeah. one one herb and the resource was there to do it, um, yeah. you know, in terms of time and space, like, would it be a lizard or a snake? Oh, man. Yeah. I th I think if, if, if no, you know, space and time and money weren't limits, I'd probably keep a Parenti monitor. So that would be oh, my ultimate, yeah. you know, so... I, I think I'd have to go with that. But at the same time, you know, that might not be the most rewarding species to keep just because they're not very social or they're not very, you know, they're not, they don't necessarily make the best pets, but I would just sit and watch it walk and, you know, eat and, and that would be good enough for me. You know, I wouldn't care if I could hold it or anything like that, but, and I'd need a, you know, a giant enclosure, <laughs> a big outdoor warehouse or something, you know greenhouse on it but <laughs> you know pipe dreams but that would be uh probably my ultimate what i'd really if i could just keep one thing that would be really top of my list 
Yeah, I, I could definitely agree with that. I brought the kids to the LA Zoo and they had Komodos and I had a Parenti there and it was just like, yeah, I've seen Komodos before. They're cool. Yeah. But there's something about the elegance and just the the streamlined body of the Parenti and the patterning. I know. Um, yeah, it's probably, I think, one of the most handsome animals on the planet. For sure. But, you know, if, if I was being realistic and there are limits, then, yeah, there's no way I would keep a Parenti. I'd, I'd rather spend the money and go find them, chase, you know, follow them around in the wild and watch them do their thing, <laughs> which I got to do in Western Australia. It was fantastic. One of the best days of my life. <laughs> so, you know, that's I think uh, that's kind of where I'm finding that or I'm able to scratch that itch is through herping. You know, getting out and seeing things in the wild, and I can enjoy it in its natural habitat. And um, like the, you know, the chuck walls that Chuck and I saw down in Southern California, you know, on the boulders, and we saw what half a dozen that day. And I'm just like, oh, I really love these things. I'd love to keep them, but then I think then I'd have to feed them all these veggies, and I'd have to, you know, you know, a little bit higher maintenance, the larger cage requirements. And I'd be like, yeah, I'm just gonna enjoy them and. Southern California when I'm down here, or Southern Utah. Uh, or, so. uh, uh, I don't know. But, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a fun discussion. <laughs> I, I, I guess I like both, so I, I'll side with both sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, definitely, I definitely like both as well. And I think, like, you know, a lot of times it's kind of like you just want the uh, – and, and for me, it's like I want the thing that I can't have. Yeah. You know, and so I now have all these Aussie dwarfs, but if I go outside, you know, in the springtime, there's like amazing reptiles like here in the United oh, States. Yeah, yeah uh, for sure. <laughs> and, you know, I've got a Gabilia and it's yeah. one of the coolest lizards, like in terms of its biology, you know, yeah. it's aposomatic, like, you know, when it's gravid, it advertises mm-hmm. to the world that it's, don't eat me, it's I, I don't spot. taste good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they yeah. eat lizards their own size. Like, I mean, it's uh-huh. crazy cool. But Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we, we saw those, uh, the banded uh, rock lizards, the Mirren's Eye down in, uh, in California, down on the boulders. Watching them. They're like the American uh, Varanus pilbarensis. Like, that's, uh, you know, the American version of that lizard because they have similar coloration and patterning and their banded tails and their just cruising across those rock surfaces. They're a lot of fun. I did the same yeah. thing. Like, Oh, I wonder how I could keep those in captivity. And then I'm like, no, knock it off. Just enjoy them while you're down here. You know, watch them run 40 feet across the boulder and see if you can provide that, you know, in captivity. And oh yeah, they're yeah. a really cool species. Yeah. That's actually on my list for the spring to go out to, yeah. to see it's on, on my list. Cause I'm, you know, you know in banning. So like, you know, I go to Palm Springs, and there's some INAT locations yeah. right there in Palm Springs. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's yeah, on my list. I can give you a good spot. We're we're headed out there in May too. Chuck and I are going to go down and do a little herp trip down in in that area. So yeah, we'll, but let me know when you you know headed out there. I can give you a place where we saw them pretty plentifully. So they are pretty shy. You got to kind of sneak up on them, I guess. But yeah, right they're pretty fun. Yeah. Have some binoculars ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're cool. Is that the well, same? The same? Um, how do we, I, I, sorry, what was that? I bumped the computer. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Um, so you know, we've we've kind of uh, 
included a little segment in in the show where we talk about you know different herpetological uh, events that we've seen or any interesting things in the news or or exciting things that you've seen any any cool observations lately you guys or I saw that there's a a new uh guidebook to the reptiles of the northern territory so um one of my facebook friends uh was that <laughs> I'm so bad with names I can't remember who Put that out, but they, uh, uh, Jake Meany, maybe. Uh, oh man, I, I'm probably getting it wrong, but anyway, they they have the um, it's a field guide, so you know, I I uh, I get really excited about field guides, but then you get them and you're like, oh, it's a map and a description, so <laughs> I could, you know, yeah. I've got a lot of those, but you know, hopefully, there's more to it. I'm, I'm I'll still get it, but yeah, it's always fun to. Uh, I, I do like getting the latest edition of the Reptiles of Australia uh, field guide, but so this one would be fun because I, I don't know. There's a lot of cool species in the Northern Territory. Something something new that's out there. I, I still need to get a copy of Viper's book. I heard I was listening to Venom Exchange Radio here and Phil and Nipper talk about uh, and talk to the Vipers and then talk about that book and. That was their number one choice of books, and just said it's the book to end all books for you know Australasian lapids. So I need to get get that, purchase that, but it's a little pricey, <laughs> and uh, you know it's a edition Chimera book, so they're usually a little more expensive. Yeah, I don't know, too do you, many cool books. Do you have Lizards of the American Southwest? I do. Yeah, that's that is an epic uh, field guide. That, that cover lizard was the one that drew me to that. The, the, uh, um, what is it? Oh, it's right up here. One sec. The, uh, greater earless lizard that's on the cover. The, yeah. Uh, greater earless lizard. This one. Yeah. That, so that lizard, I just saw that picture and I'm like, that is the coolest lizard. And then I, I saw one in, uh, in texas and and it was the same colors it was out in its breeding colors and i'm like that is a freaking cool lizard i'm all going nuts and like there's there it is there you know and i'm (laughs) trying to get close and i just had my cell phone i didn't even have my my zoom camera and uh they're like what okay it's a little silvery gray lizard and i'm like no look look at these pictures like you zoom in and you see these orange spots and the blue and the bands and it's like that is a cool lizard and then on the back is the um one of the baja blue rock lizards i mean bright blue and orange throat i mean you can't get and then on the spine is the Dickerson's collared lizards. Those yeah, bright yeah. blue. Uh, yeah, there's so many cool lizards in the Southwest for sure. So, yeah, yeah. I just need to get out and find more of them and just sit and watch them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Baja blue rocks. Those are the Petrosaurus, right? Like yeah. same as the Merzai. Yep. It's the same genus. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think uh, I think Justin may have lost a fight with that emphatic lizard speech he just <laughs> I know, gave. Right? <laughs> just want yeah. to put That's that out there. Sure. No, I I agree. Like I I I'm happy to let the lizard side win because, like I said, I think if push came to shove, I was only allowed one animal. It'd probably be some kind of varanid or, you know. Yeah. Probably more but, realistically, a Gillens would be very high on my list. So keep me in mind if you produce any of those. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
at so, least I could raise them up and sell them back to you or something. <laughs> yeah. No. So something like for snakes, uh, it's come up on a couple of podcasts I've listened to that uh, uh, they've discovered hemiclitori in some of the snake species, which That's was, right. and it kind of like, I just assumed that they were there because, you know, they're, they're squamates and like yeah. lizards, it's known in lizards. And I was just like, mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was unknown until it was made known. <laughs> yeah. Know, well, I, I think the, the interesting part of it was that they're the function of that. They're functional, like that they, you know, uh, have different functions in nature, you know, that they, they just thought they were some kind of, um, I don't know, non-functional unit or something, but they actually, you know, serve a purpose and surprise, surprise, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's even cooler that it was women scientists that, that discovered that and, yeah. you know, made that known. Like the men had just ignored that, which is probably typical for men. You know, I was just going <laughs> to say that sounds exactly like us. Like, oh, what, what, what could these things do? I don't know. <laughs> They're nothing. We're not going to worry about them. Yeah. <laughs> Not as important yeah. as the hemipenes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they have two. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty pretty cool discoveries. Um uh, lots of stuff still still in need of discovery. Yeah. I'm working on a, a manuscript now um about uh some results that we had with our uh studies with antivirals against nidovirus or serpentoviruses as they've been reclassified. So um, we'll, I'll be presenting a, 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 a poster at a conference in France in, in March, and then we're working on the manuscript to get out by the end of March, I think, beginning of April. So it should be fun. We, we found some uh, drugs that have activity against uh, several different nidoviruses, so potential for future work and and hopefully you know being able to treat some snakes or lizards that are uh, infected with uh, serpentovirus that would be cool hopefully and, and what was even cooler is this this was funded by um reptile keepers it was a uh carpet fest um where they raised some money for uh serpentovirus research or nidovirus research and um so we got, you know, a few grand from donations from these keepers that were doing an auction or something and and sent us the money to to do the research. So I'm excited to finally be able to send them some results and show them the fruits of their labors. So hopefully this will this will be uh something that we can continue and and find uh some options for treatment. Yeah, that's super cool. So so I know you're a virologist. Does it usually pertain to like humans and, and yeah. that sort yeah. of virology? All, all the viruses I work with, with uh, for the most part, are human yeah, viruses that, that cause human disease. Um, but uh, where we got kind of a we, – we do a lot of uh, research, like private research for people who want to, you know, pay for studies and things. And so um, this kind of fell under that, and I was happy to, you know, to – work with some snake viruses just make sure i you know don't take any home with me yeah, that <laughs> Actually, be, yeah. i'm not doing any hands-on with them but you know just writing up the results and um so yeah but it's uh, we found uh, three or four different uh, compounds that had pretty good activity against the viruses in in cell culture and so 
I'm looking for some options or, you know, hopefully there might be a potential to have like a challenge model. And I know that they've done kind of that proof of concept where they've uh, administered these viruses to snakes and then recapitulated the disease in, you know, live snakes. So um, there is a, there has been a challenge model. So it'd be nice if we could get some animals challenged and then treat them with different compounds to see if we can prevent or, or cure disease. That'd be the goal, I guess, is to have a treatment option. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. <clears throat> Pretty fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that your work's able to, you know, kind of come together with yeah. your yeah. hobbies. Exactly. Yeah, it's kind of been nice. I There was an opportunity a while back, some universe, or I think there were in San Francisco, some researchers that discovered uh, the... Um, the uh, stargazing, the virus that causes the the what is it? IBD, the IBD virus in boas. We were yeah, looking sure to collaborate it's... on some yeah. studies there, and I was going to try to set up a, a challenge model at our university, but it just ended up being too expensive and not really feasible from from my side. So I wasn't able to move forward with that. But now we'll see. <laughs> Lots of lots of stuff to do, I guess. But we're we're as busy as we've ever been with uh, human viruses and <laughs> with the pandemic and stuff. So not a lot of time for veterinary viruses, unfortunately. But I'm glad that we could finally get some publishable results for for the virus for the, the serpento viruses. Well, uh, where can people find you, Eric? Uh, occasionally, I'll put stuff on Instagram. Um, you know, at Sorologic uh, on Instagram. So I, I try to post fun, li- fun lizard videos yeah. um, and some yeah, other some things that stuff. I, yeah, yeah. And some things that I, you know, see in the field because I spend a lot of time in the field, you know, for my work. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, it's just, yeah, those fun uh, spot. desert, the desert tortoise uh, pictures and videos you've got on there are just those little baby desert tortoise. There's nothing cuter than a baby desert tortoise. I'm sorry. They're just, they're really cool, yeah. cool animals. Yeah. And <laughs> That's I, one of my and favorite things to find. I, I found uh, so a, a hatchling burrow. And so there was mm-hmm. three hatchlings in it. And oh, I had to keep cool. check, checking on it. Yeah. And it was the funniest thing. I've got some video somewhere. Uh, or like right out of the egg, those guys are like head bobbing each other, and like one of them's like uh-huh. being the bull, That's awesome. doing all the, you know, machismo, you know, yeah. when they're that little. <laughs> uh, that would be freaking cool. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a sight for sure. All right. Well, uh, again, we appreciate you coming on and having yeah, this uh, fun on. discussion with us. Yeah. yeah. Look forward to seeing uh, more from you. So. Right on. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was fun. I love the show. I like the concept, too. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, we appreciate you bringing the, the idea and coming on to, to debate it. So we'll have to have you back. <laughs> right on. All, All right. right. Well, uh, thanks to NPR uh, for hosting the show and for uh, Eric and all the work he does to get these podcasts out. So thanks again, guys. And Uh, We'll catch you next week for another episode of Reptile Fight Club. It may not be as important as the hemipene, but join us for the next. (laughs) 